Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now. Yes. I'm Steve Kiliani. I'm Dave Murray. We've had a hiatus. Yeah, a little bit of a hiatus. I don't even remember when the last one was. It was warmer then. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that in a few minutes. Yeah, it was definitely warmer. We're, we're feeling the full effects of fall now. And look at that. We've even forgotten to silence our phones That's during right. this. Because this is like command center here, just in case you didn't know. We are active workers. The phones are always ringing. It's okay. That's just live. I was well, going to say radio, but I'm old. Live <laughs> podcasting. You well, never frank, know. Frankly, the phone's ringing are the reason why we wanted to do this podcast. Not that we've had a ton of phone calls yet, but we know that what people are thinking. We have been meeting with a lot of people. And the the uptick in volatility. Right. Use- Although we should say, you never know when people are listening to this. So Right. So this is, today is, what day is today, Steve? It's Friday the Doc- 19th. October 19th. But it takes us a couple days to get it up and right. posted and all that. So it'll be, probably be mid-next week. Maybe by that point, the Dow will have gone up a 1,000 points and everyone will right. have forgotten this. Right. But right now, it's an October swoon. Right. It's a very a word very much used in uh, websites that talk about finance and stock market. Swoon. Yeah, don't you love all swoon the, equals bad? All the phrases that they come up with. You know, well, we've seen an uptick in volatility. <laughs> uptick you never in see vol- that when everything's going up, and that could be volatility, right? But October swoon. Yeah, that's what we're in the midst of right now. And plenty of people have seen the comparisons of past Octobers. Uh, when you think of October of 2008 and 87 and, you know, all these different times. I remember 87 yeah. very well. I mean, I was not in this business then, but, you know, I remember it. I remember people, I, I, I think this is correct, people in New York during the crash of October 87, some people jumped out of buildings, yeah. which I thought was, in retrospect, a mistake. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Around the lunchroom in third grade, October of '87 doesn't re- didn't resonate with me, but <laughs> 2008 clearly um, you know was a big one. So, you know, that's always the question. Whenever we start to see these declines, people start to wonder: Is this the the start of the next big decline? And you never really know, but. Let's kind of go through, you know, what we've been talking about with people when we sit down with them lately is we've we're now nine and a half years into this bull market. We've had a handful of ten percent and even up to fifteen percent corrections, but we haven't had a twenty percent correction, an official bear market, since back in two thousand eight. 
So people keep wondering, you know, what's going to be the catalyst to set this off? And if you look at the economy, the economy appears to be in the U.S. economy in fairly good shape. Unemployment is low. Earnings are up from from past years, you know, partially helped by the tax cuts. But everything appears pretty good. So everybody's wondering, you know, why this sell-off? What's, you know, what's right. really sparked it? Now, there's a couple of storylines floating out in the media. And just like anything, I think there's partial truth to all of them. You know, of course, the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, um, that has people a little bit more concerned because it's a, a less accommodative, less growth-oriented policy. So remember, the Federal Reserve, they're trying to balance full employment, you know, which would be a strong economy, and low inflation. So... Okay. Why they raise interest rates is to say, okay, the economy is doing well, so let's worry a little bit more about inflation. So it's interesting that people freak out when the Fed raises rates, but ultimately that signals that the Fed thinks that the economy is doing well. Right. So, And I think it's a good – I personally think it's a good thing to inch those rates up and have some dry powder for the next real crisis. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's another good point, You know, another reason why the Fed – might have started raising rates even before they they really they might have otherwise is just to have some room to cut rates if they needed to. So you clearly had concerns over interest rates rising. Um, the other thing that's been mentioned is uh, sort of a fallout from some of these trade skirmishes and the tariffs with President Trump and China in particular. And yeah, you've seen a couple of companies, a handful of companies say that there's some uncertainty around their earnings due to the the trade war skirmish, whatever you want to call it. So I'm sure that's entered into it. One storyline that that I have not seen mentioned much, and I think, frankly, is a, a bigger factor for a lot of people, is simply the fact that people have made so much money off of their stocks going up for so long that it only takes a little bit of a dip and people say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to cash in some of my chips here. Right. right. Take some risk off the table. You know, if, if you're investing in some technology stocks, some big, big ones, the the FANG stocks, as they call them, um, you're probably up 45% over the last year. You know, why wouldn't you take some of those winnings off the table? Right. Especially when you see a little bit of dip. I think another human nature thing, which is nobody's ever talked about, this is my own theory, is that as we've gone past Dow 25,000, when you have a 300-point dip, it's really only a little over 1%. Yeah. Back in the day, the number was lower for a 1%. Sure. Now people see Dow, and of course the media, this is what their job is, is to hype the Dow oh, down over 300. Oh, my God. It's wow. a little over 1%. Because you're forgot. That what percentages are of a, of a much higher market, really, yep. since we've had declines, the numbers make people freak out a little bit more. Freaking out a little bit more plays on more freaking out. And it could be as psychological as just numbers bigger because the market's higher. Yeah. I mean, October of 87, you know, I don't remember the exact number, but Dow was down 500 and some points. Right, five hundred and some points. That's a, a mild day nowadays. Right. And when you and when you have a bad day, a real bad day. Right. This is one of the biggest d- 
the Dow point drops ever. Yeah, because the Dow's higher than it ever was. Right. Yeah. So that's another freaky headlines. But freaky headlines lead to momentum sometimes going the other way, which lead to these corrections. No, no I mean, regardless of all the brilliant people on Wall Street and, and trading, there's a definite herd mentality where – you start to see some sort of dip, and then people say, "Well, you know what? I'm just going to sell and get out before before it really goes down." Um, but I think if you step back from it all, you know, whenever we're talking about investing in stocks, we're always talking about money that we hope to keep there for seven to ten years. So if you step back and you say, "Okay, yeah, things are a little crazy this week. They're up, they're down, they're wherever," but I feel pretty confident that in seven to ten years from now. It's going to be positive. Well, then, you know, you really don't need to worry about this day to day noise. And I know that's easy to say. It's a little harder to do in practice. But I always feel like it helps if you mentally segment out your assets and say, okay, I'm just going to lock these stocks away. I can't touch them for, for a long time. And that shorter term money, that's going to be either my cash, my bonds, my you know, whatever else that's not subject to these fluctuations. Right, and I would speak for our clients and probably a lot of financial advisors' clients who who are, you know, late 50s, 60s, 70s, and a lot of our portfolios are not 100% stock with these clients. We have a lot of portfolios, and we, we certainly feel they're sophisticated portfolios where we have, like, let's say we have, like, a 70% stock, 30% bonds, mm-hmm. and we do our very best to really take advantage of rebalancing, um, which I've always told you, and I've said on this podcast before, worst word for something that I think is very important and crucial. Okay, it's down now. What do I do? You're freaking out. It's up now. What do I? Mm-hmm. Well, if you had a 70 right now in October, and, you know, not exact, but basically right now, the month of October, as of today, is down about 5%. Okay. So if you had a 70-30 portfolio, let's just say this works its way and stays for a while and your portfolio is tilted to 65 35 mm-hmm. what's going to happen naturally it's going to be made 70 30 again by moving the right. bond some bond money into the stock portfolio yep. and that's that's what rebalancing is and what are you basically doing now you're basically buying something low and remember what and we say, selling and you're selling high. something high, and you're not really doing it because we're doing it for our clients, and that's a good thing, mm-hmm. especially in what feels like, we could always be wrong about that, but what feels like a natural and necessary correction, we're taking advantage of that the right way, yep. not by panicking, <laughs> not by making an emotional decision. And sometimes those emotional decisions can be right, and sometimes they're wrong. But when you start doing those kinds of decisions, you know, half A, as they say, <laughs> then you basically <laughs> are keep, making mistakes. We don't want to get the explicit rating, Dave, on this. I don't think Let's we're going see. to. I don't think we've ever said a bad word on this <laughs> podcast or radio I think show. As close as we've got twenty years. So, but the yeah. So I, I just look yeah. at a lot of this as well, a positive, even though it's currently a negative. And I think that's a good reminder. I, I had a conversation, and I don't know the exact day, but it was probably, you know, what did this decline start two or three weeks ago? Or I guess beginning of October, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. I had a conversation with a guy the end of September, and we were looking at the returns on his investments year to date, 
and he was he's looking at some of these growth oriented funds and growth oriented funds you know in particular anything that's got a, a heavy weighting in technology stocks done really well up through the end of September and his question was why are we owning these other funds why do we own this you know these european equities japanese these value stocks why don't we put everything in these growth oriented stocks and my point was well they're just because they've gone up for the last 9 months doesn't mean that they're going to go up like that forever you usually have some sort of regression to the mean um and, and we've certainly seen that the last couple of weeks. But then to take the example even further, or the example that I gave him at the time, was what was the best performing asset class in 2017? What was emerging market stocks? Right, Emerging yeah. markets, China, India, Brazil, they were up 30-some percent. Right? What's the worst performing this year? Emerging market stocks. Right. So if we had it just followed after whatever was best last year and at the time at the end of the year it said oh yeah emerging markets that's great i feel great about yeah. this and then they're down like i said right. seven or eight now, take that take that and then work your way into more specifics and more narrow and that's where we always we being you me and most financial advisors worry about people in their 401ks who have only company stock sure. especially when that company stock has been skyrocketing seemingly yeah. forever because now you, instead of have fund that is gonna what goes up must come to now you have one <laughs> yeah. one company and when that declines and you never know when that's gonna happen now you're even more exposed yeah. so we've we've had a number of clients who have heavy heavy exposure to one particular stock and you know frankly it's it's served them well I mean they've They've done incredibly well, and perhaps that's how they've amassed their fortune, is they've gotten millions of dollars from riding this company stock. But our opinion is, you know, diversify, sell. You you don't want to have that much of your holdings in one stock. Oh no no, I know this company. They're really well run. The earnings are good. Earnings are going to come in good. You know, this summer or this quarter, whatever. And then you just never know. Right. Well, not only do a lot of people know them, most of these people work have worked for them. Sure. That's where this all occurred from right. in a lot of cases. So you are really emotionally tied. Right. Um, and that's where you're seeing danger now as a lot of these, and they're all good company, but you know, there's always that kind of volatility in one company. And then you see a precipitous drop. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, all of this is just kind of a reason why we put together an overall plan, an overall financial plan for people, as opposed to a hodgepodge mix of investments that are just, you know, I've got this fund, I've got this stock, I've got this account, you know, just all hanging out there. You know, what we want to do is say, okay, what do you need to produce income? What do you need to provide you with short-term liquidity? And then what do you need to provide you with long-term growth? And things should clearly fit into one of those categories versus, eh, I've just got this mix of all these different things out there. Um, let's wrap this one up because uh, I think yeah. we've hit on everything we need to hit right. on. And I, we would encourage people, though, if you're, if you're having concerns, if you're an existing client, 
If you're not, you know, you can't really call us and have concerns. But if you're an existing client. Why not? Because maybe you have concerns and you don't have a financial advisor. And okay. And you'd want to work with us. You're right. That was not the best commercial ever. <laughs> just so you know. I'm just assuming that. All right. So <laughs> if you have concerns, give us a call um, or, or email, whatever your preferred communication method, and let us kind of talk you through it. Because usually people have this sense that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I'm okay. We've planned for this, but I don't remember exactly why. Yeah. In all seriousness, we do not want our clients worrying about anything without discussing what, I mean, you might have personal problems that we can't help you, but worrying about money things that we're dealing with that we're supposed to have put a plan together that's supposed to address times like these don't want you holding that in please contact us all right thanks for joining us we'll talk to you soon